0: Hello and welcome to Not-So-Molly Mormon Podcast. Today, for probably the first time, I think, ever, it's just me in this introduction. I'm Katie. Hello, thanks for being here. Today, we're bringing you the second part of Jake's story. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, Go back, listen to that, (laughs) Not So Peter Priested, and this is the second hour of his conversation with us, so we hope you enjoy, Uh, I think you will, it's a lot of fun, he's great, and his story is so wonderful, so here we go, enjoy!
1: Oh, so I can remember this is such a weird moment for me. Like I was at the MTC practicing my discussions with my companion and I was, we were talking about the book of Mormon and how it's like, it says word for word, we believe that Jesus Christ came to America and blah, 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 like that kind of thing. And I was like, I remember looking at that, saying it, looking at it and then looking up at my companion and being like, wait, what? Wait, we, we believe we're, we're about to go tell people that Jesus came to America for some reason, even as a true blue Mormon, like that never clicked in my brain until then that it was like, wait, he came America. Like, cause yeah. I, I don't know if maybe I just didn't pay attention or what, like maybe it just didn't like click to me that like America, like, because like, they always talk about it just being like sailed across the sea to right. this land. And then, um they never really even like come out and say it was america until you know or maybe oh, they did no, I the I feel like when
0: you learn about it yeah it's like it's almost just kind of like brushed over of like well of course like jesus was here and this is like the promised land and whatever but i think when it's worded in a way that's like jesus came to the americas after he died you're kind of like wait hold on a second <laughs> wait what Jeez.
1: yeah yeah like, um, excuse me. And he was like, yeah, that's what we Like he just looked at me like I was dumb. And then I was like, well, okay, I don't really want to <laughs> teach this. But, um, so I remember having kind of like a faith crisis a little bit, like in the MTC, I was like, oh shit, I don't know if I did even believe that. Like, this is like crazy. And here I am in the MTC, you know, and then, um, I go out there and, um, I can remember also another, um, Another point is so dumb. I don't even know why I remember this, but like talking to some person, I don't know. And I was quoting, quote unquote, the Bible or something. And I said, well, as Jesus said, he never, I never said it would be easy. I just said it would be worth it. And my companion looked at me and he was like, wait, what? And I was like, and then I remembered like later, I was like, wait, he never said that. (laughs) Um, <laughs> that like, like, that I was just something that, like, Mormons say, like, that that's, it's like some, Can and, I um, something?
0: I, that is something that I had, I had, like, a little, um, journal, and there was that picture of Jesus, you know, the, the one that it's quite famous, at least in Mormonism, mm-hmm. where he's, like, in the clouds, uh, like oh, yeah. kinda. Mm-hmm. And on it, there was that that quote that said, yeah. I never said it would be easy, only that it would be perfect. And also, my family had a magnet of that same exact thing with the picture of Jesus with that quote. And that magnet was on. It might even still be on my parents' fridge for all I know. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that is something that I always thought, like from that imagery and then pairing with that quote. It's like you just, I guess, think that that's something that Jesus said it's a yeah, yeah.
1: I totally yeah. remember that <laughs> <laughs> well and uh, I, I don't I've told you guys before I think that I worked a desert book also I can get into that in a bit yeah. but like um there be pe- people who used to come in for those kind of quotes and then the, we don't they don't sell them anymore for some reason I think it's because it probably was like oh Jesus said that but he actually didn't so just, <laughs> yeah. I don't know <laughs>
0: said it. And then we're selling these decorative wooden, de- like, decorations to hang up in your house. <laughs>
2: oh, <a> Live, that's <laughs> <not> love.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs>
2: oh, so much money in that fucking store.
1: Oh, uh, me too. Oh.
2: oh,
0: my God. I wonder if, I mean, probably not. Did you work at the Deseret book that's in, like, Provo?
1: No, I worked in one in two of them actually in Idaho oh, okay. one in Ida- they were that. in Idaho Falls
0: it would have been funny if you'd worked in the one in Provo and like Sarah had
2: gone in there and bought something oh
1: yes <laughs> I, no, I was thinking that because I was
2: in there all the time trying to be an
1: olive woman oh no. precious Sarah no. <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: Trying to just get you know get my sins away. If I thought <laughs> many deseret journals as I possibly could and filled them with wow the church it's is just true. True. <laughs> it's all about my sins, you know.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I know your type. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> so, um, but, so like on the, oh, I guess I can. So I'll finish with Jeremy. Like he was, he got baptized. And like, um, he so that was at the beginning of my mission. And then uh, my companion left. And then I was still like, I hated my next companion because he was he was nothing like my trainer. Which, um, and then I just remember going through my mission being like, um, like I used to hate going door to door. I would like red going to the doors even all the way up to the end i was just i would it was uncomfortable for me i'm like i don't even i don't i would like in my head be like please don't answer please don't answer i don't want you to answer the door like um and i wonder like it makes me wonder about these kids that are going out now like are they do they feel the same way like they can't tell me that like every one of them wants to be like yes please answer the door i want to tell you about jesus and there was a um there was another time when my mission president this was really weird Um, and I guess it kind of shows like the power of like the persuasion and the brainwashing that goes on like that they just um, he he wanted us to like basically just walk into people's houses and so um, yeah yeah so like if they open the door just like walk in like just step in and I was like, okay, you know, and, like, so, like, throughout the, like, every, every, I can't remember, periodically, you have, like, a zone conference, and then you have, like, a, a big conference with all the missionaries, like, um, and I think this was one of the zone, zone conferences, which is, like, so, so you have a zone, which is, like, um, an, I don't even know how to explain it, uh, like, a bigger area, and then you have, it's broken down into districts and then those districts have areas. Is that right? I, I can't remember. That. And so like you'll have like maybe four missionaries to a district, and then you'll have a district leader, and then you have a zone leader who's over several districts, and then you have the above them is the um assistants to the president who are like over they're like his little right hand men, but they're just like little missionaries also they're usually like more like the they're on the end of their two years and so um and they're usually the most righteous ones the ones that have (laughs) baptized so many people and they've done all this stuff and like it's some weird thing and they get to live in I think they live with the president or they live like in this like a nicer apartment and like it's just they get more perks and whatever and they get to go around the mission and um (laughs) The, it's so weird, like, having all that, thinking about that, like, the hierarchy stuff. And then, um, but I was at his own conference, and the mission president said, like, just walk into these houses. And so, like, me, like, even though I was, like, hated uh, doing these doors, I was just, like, um, I remember walking and knocking on one, and um, I was actually with my first companion for some reason. I think he, because he became an AP, an assistant to the president. And so I think I was doing a split with him and he was like, so what do you think about this thing with the president's talking about? He was all pumped about it. And I was just like, (laughs) Oh yeah. He was like, let's try it. And so I'm like, okay. So I did like, I knocked on the door and this woman answered and I just like stepped in like, and she just, she looked terrified as you would, you know, like I just was like, and I was talking to her and then it just did not work. It like backfired on me. Like, and I think it was like, Of course, like, um, here's these two guys just stepping into your house, you know, like, um, and then I, she obviously didn't listen to us. (laughs) Um, And then, let's see, I was, there was another time when I was, uh, this kid answered the door, like a little kid, like he made it maybe five or six years old. He answered the door and he like waved us in. So I just like, this was much later after all that. I never did that again. Just so you know, I never, I was like, nope, that's okay. not for me. I'm not going to walk into houses, yeah, even if no. the president tells me to, even if my beautiful companion tells me to, nope. <laughs> so um, I, uh, he waved us in. And so he like, we walked in and it was like this like sunroom at the beginning. And then he like waved us further in. So I like, walked, I followed, followed him. I don't know why I don't. And then um, that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then his dad came out and he was like on the phone. He's like, what the fuck are you guys doing in my house? And I was like, Oh, <laughs> and then, so he basically like chased us out of the house. I was like, okay. And then there's so many weird things. And then um, that whole, I don't know. That's and then I can remember my first companion bringing me to, he had been in that area before. So I, I was pretty sure that he was just trying to like put one on me because he um, he brought me to this house and he wanted for some reason he specifically wanted to go to this house and so he had me knock on the door and this guy answered the door and he was shaking he was so mad like he was like pointing at us like shaking and he yelled at me like right in my face and then I don't remember what he said I just remember how mad he was and he slammed the door in my face so hard it like went through me. And then I was like, oh, this is great. This is perfect. And it was, like, my first night there, like, as a missionary. And I'm like, oh. this is fun. <laughs> this is two years of this. Oh. And then, <laughs>
0: it sounds absolutely miserable. And also, yeah. can I just say, you're uh, the leader who told you guys to just walk in the house. Like, what a dick. I don't know. I right. just, it, it that has never sounded quite so um, like door-to-door salesperson-y until you said that. Like, it always kind of felt salesy, but that's, like, mm-hmm. super salesy. It's like you're going door-to-door selling knives or vacuums, and you need to, like, get in the door. Like Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, it's like,
2: what if, what if the person answering the door has gone through something really traumatic, and that's, like, obviously going to be a trigger? Like, yeah. you know, they could have had abuse or a similar situation mm-hmm. where they've had their house broken into. You don't even know. And to just go into their house, it's not only affecting them, but it could be dangerous for you guys as well.
1: Yeah, I had uh, one missionary. He he got a like gun pointed at him, like right at the beginning. Like uh, the guy answered the door with a gun uh, pointed at his face. So like, I'm I'm just like, oh, and you want us to walk into these houses? Okay, that's great. Uh, yeah. And then oh. uh what else the And we would go to the um like the, the ghetto and I hate that word but like I we would go to that area but it was like um I can remember like having a gun waved at me and ah. then um hearing gunshots like just maybe like a few blocks down and the woman we were talking to was just like kind of looked down and was like Just shrugged and then kept talking to us like it was nothing to like.
0: It's normal. Wow. Yeah,
1: and here I am like, "Uh, what are we doing? (laughs) Like you, yeah. yeah, They're
0: putting you. They put the missionaries in these like precarious and dangerous positions. It's, you know, it's like really problematic. I used to get annoyed at the missionaries, but now I just feel bad for them. Like here in Phoenix, just the other day, like I was telling Sarah, I think it's gonna be 117 degrees today. Oh yeah. Oh. And they have the missionaries on bikes here. Oh,
1: yeah. That and was I'm me so in Florida.
0: wow. So yeah. So you probably understand it. it's like really, really hot. That's like, that's like abuse. I just, no, I can't handle terrible. it. I hate what they do to these young men and women.
1: Yeah. And you can't tell me that they can't afford to, like, give them all cars. Like,
0: right. They have so much money. They could give them all cars, they could live in nicer apartments. It's just, That was
1: another thing I was going to talk about is I lived on $140 a month, (gasps) a month. How? I don't know. So like everything is taken care of, like the, your housing is taken care of and everything. So that was money for like groceries, but I'm like, looking back on it, I'm like, that is not enough. And they want you to do all this physical stuff. They want you to do like all this biking and all this crap. And then, um, and then, Expect you to live on $140 a month and buy good food to do that with. So like your exactly. nourishment, like I was living on ramen. And, and
0: like just like we would go to that members like invite you over for dinner or something. Yeah,
1: we would go to. It depended on the ward because some wards were really good about like feeding the missionaries and having like um like those meals planned every day. And it would like um they'd pass around a calendar. At least the first ward I was. Uh, working with like they would pass around a calendar every month and the people would sign up but like there were other wards where they didn't care like you would go maybe sometimes weeks without a member meal and so we'd be just like okay ramen for the next two weeks you know and so um, yeah but then then
0: leads into the whole, like, you need to, I don't know, maybe not for every missionary, but, like, I could see it being something like, you're suffering, but it's for a righteous cause or whatever, when, like, you don't need to. The church could give you so much more money. They yeah. have, like, endless money, essentially. And it makes me mad that they force these kids to go hungry and to exert themselves in the heat and all that stuff. And like,
2: put pressure on members to feed the missionaries. Like, what... Yeah. You know, what if yeah. they don't have the, the money or the resources? The means that, to do
1: it, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: They feel guilty, and it's just uh, so unnecessary. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, then, also for the members, like, they don't – it's a once in a – like, kind of every once in a while thing for them. So, like, to the, like, I was grateful for meals, but, like, it was always, like, a big thing, like – you'd have, like, a three-course thing every time, which was fine, but it was also just, like, okay. So, like, if the that first ward, like, we were fed all the time, which was great. I'm not complaining about that, but, like, they were um, – you'd also just, like, be fed these, like, three-course meals at the end of the day after, and so that's even not healthy for you either. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah, um, you're like, can I just have it kind of, like, spread out evenly,
1: please? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh. Oh my god, that's
1: crazy. Yeah. Um. I guess. Do you guys have any more questions out there? Oh, let's see. So, like maybe a year into my mission, I um. I was like, I can remember, like just sneaking off to the bathroom, and I'm jacked off because I was just like, I'm done. I don't even know what like spawned it. I was just like, I needed like release. You know. Well, that's a long my, time, that's
2: like a yeah. long time. Oh, yeah. year. time. Yeah insane and I was
1: um, yeah <laughs> uh, I don't know how I uh, don't know and then um, and I remember just feeling so guilty after that like I was like and then I, every time like something bad had happened after after that I was like it's because I did that it's because I masturbated oh. it's because I did that and so um, like we had a big I almost I legit almost got struck by lightning on my mission and I oh. kind of blamed it on masturbating I was just like oh so, oh, let me tell you that. So <laughs> let me just drop that. Um, So I, we were talking, so in Florida, like, in the summertime is the rainy season. So, like, you can tell it's, like, clockwork. Like, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I think it's either 1 or 3, something like that, you can see, like, this wall of water just coming at you. And it just only lasts maybe, like, 5, 10 minutes, and then it's gone, and it cools everything down a little bit, but it's, like, more humid after. Uh-huh. Yeah but it's a daily thing. I'm sure Sarah knows from Atlanta. Georgia, mm-hmm. but the, um, I can remember we were talking to this lady and she was like, you guys better get going. The storm's coming. so we, we left and we got, we started, um, running back to the car cause it started running, raining. And then, um, I can remember feeling, like, the arm, the hair on my arms, like, raising and on the back of my neck, and I was like, oh, crap. And so and I can remember both of us stopped, like, at the mid-stride, and I put my hand above my arm, above my eyes, and then I just saw bright white light in front oh. of me, <gasps> like, right in front of me. And then uh, we, because, um, and I looked at my companion after that, and I was like, and we bolted even faster. It was like, we're going to. We're going to die.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. It's all because you masturbated. Because
1: I masturbated on my mission, oh my on my holy mission. Yep. And then um, I did – I mean, I did it a few more times after that, even though I was, like, guilty, but I was just, like, I got to. You know, I was just so stressed, too, but I was just, like um, – did
2: your companion ever, like, think that you were or – because you guys – so for from people who didn't grow up as members like missionaries have to be with their companions like all the time. Yeah. Right? So how did you do? How did you sneak away?
1: So the, really the only time you can get away is in the bathroom and they would never bug me like I would and I would never bug them like if even if they were there for a long time I think we all knew what they were doing but like <laughs> I think everybody was doing it you know it's just yeah. um but like you just don't ask questions kind of thing. And I, um, I just remember like sneaking away to the bathroom and doing it. And then, um, we're like in the shower kind of thing. Like it was just, you just kind of do it real quick. And I don't know, maybe, uh, I don't know how the, the women's stuff works. Maybe it takes longer. Apparently. I don't know. Um, (laughs) 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 all that plumbing. I don't know. um, (laughs) I but for men it's just like and you're done you know like it's not that hard. Yeah, so.
0: in a long time you're probably just like ready to go like exploding. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh my
1: god. <laughs> but uh, well and then I I'm also an artist and so there was um I used to draw these like cat women it's weird but like. Uh, as a kid, like I, I had a friend. We would draw these cartoons, these cat women, you know, and they, they were like these superheroes that were like anthropomorphic, you know, and so, um, they would, and they would wear revealing clothing, you know, like they're superheroes, and I was just like drawing them on my mission, and I, um, I can remember like the guys in my district finding them, and they were like, "What is this?" and they were like, "Oh, Taylor's got a, um, he's." drawing porn over here and they were like i was like <laughs> okay and then um but then they liked it so they were just like draw more and i was like okay you guys are gross yeah they but probably it's fine. just like,
0: love seeing the cleavage
1: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> just
0: gotta go to the bathroom <laughs> this is a side, and, uh, a side
2: note oh sorry sarah are we talking at the same time <laughs> uh, so saying that they would be like oh well, let me borrow this and take it to the bathroom one second just, just so,
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. This is a side note, but Jake drew a
0: picture of Sarah and I, oh, and it's yeah. the cutest. It's a- <laughs> us as and I think yes. he captured it perfectly. And I remember you like, <laughs> I love that because Sarah thought we were freaking out. We're just like, this is the cutest thing ever. And Sarah showed Greg, and he was like, Oh, I know which one's you. And Sarah has like <laughs> a nice <laughs> cleavage in the
2: dress. <laughs>
1: <He laughs> <laughs> can't forget the girls
2: forget <laughs>
1: I mean Sarah's always talking about her titties so I was just like it's she's got to be in there
2: I, I, I talk about them all the time and then I just put them on Greg all the time and he's like what are you doing
1: just,
2: just say hi, it's hi. <laughs> oh
0: that's too funny Um, so I was going to ask, so, like, you were kind of, like, slightly doubting on your mission, but then when you came back from your mission, were you, like, immediately, like, ah, I think I'm going to leave, or did it take you, like, longer to uh, get those doubts about
1: You know, the weirdest thing is that I, like, I came home, and I was so gung-ho about the church. Like, I was just, like, I was so into it, and I was, like, I got home, and I was also... So, at the end of your mission, you have a interview with the mission president and it's all about like, okay, now your mission is to get married. You know, it's all that.
0: <gasps> Ew, I hate yeah. it.
1: It's disgusting. And I was just like, but it like, he builds you up so much that it's like, okay, yeah, I can do that. You know? And you've also like, you get to know him pretty well. So it's just like, yeah. And he, like, he knows you enough to like know how to talk to you and be like, yeah, this is what you, you just got to go out there and get married. That's the next thing that God wants for you. And, um, and so, I decided to go to BYU-Idaho after my mission because it was closer to my family and also because the chances of getting married were higher. And so I was like, yeah, let's do that. And so, and I remember telling my sister, I'm going to get married before you. And she was like, she still brings that up. And she's like, oh, you thought you were going to get married before me. And I was like, well, <laughs> you beat me to it. So sad, you know.
2: <laughs> um <laughs>
1: And I would go on oh, tons of dates. Like, I went on so many, like, first dates, and my mom was always like, how'd that date go? How'd that date go? You know, they were very invested in my my dating life at that ne, ne, at that point. And so um, I – she's like, well, I can remember her distinctly saying several times, like, you're not going to get to know him in one date. And I was like, yeah, but I just wasn't feeling it, you know, like kind of – and I was just like – play it off as, like, well, I just wasn't feeling the spirit kind of thing. Like, I blame that Uh a lot. And so um, it just wasn't right, you know. And then um, when really, like, I knew. um, And then, like, maybe a year after my mission, uh, up to this point, I hadn't had, like, sex with another person. So I was just – and I remember thinking, like, you know what? I'm just going to, like, nothing's stopping me. Like, I I talk to guys a lot, like, on the low, like – there was they did, this was before the apps, and so it was like um, really aging myself. Um, it was like <laughs> it was like online, and um, there was this website called Manhunt or something. Something <laughs> gross like that. I know. This is amazing. <laughs> and so um, I remember talking to this guy on there, and he's like, "Well, I live here. Like, you should come up." And I was like, "Okay." And then it was two hours away, two hour wow. drive. And I was like living with my parents at the time. Cause I think I was off, uh, off track of the school or whatever. Um, whenever I wasn't going to school, I was living with my parents. And so I snuck out of the house and I, <laughs> and then, um, I drove two hours to meet this guy in this like trailer that he lived in and we hooked up, and that was my first. That's how that's how Jake broke, lost his virginity. So, wow. um, very romantic, you know, very uh, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm he also offered me.
0: He wasn't a psycho, and that yeah. you're alive. <laughs> yeah,
1: they could have gone several ways. Um, he, he offered me a beer and I wouldn't take it cause I won't do, I'll do the sex, but I won't do the <laughs> beer. <laughs> <If you> want, <laughs> I have, have priorities and boundaries here, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I ended up, I did hook up with him a couple times. times. Um, and then I met this other guy that was, we went, um, oh, what was it? We went on like these, random dates, I guess you could call them. And then, um, there was one time we went to like the sand dunes, which are like maybe, I don't know, an hour away from civilization. And, uh, you'd have to, that's the thing. It's like, we had to go to like places that were like away from, like we went to the hot springs one time. We had to go to like different places, especially in Idaho, because you can't like be openly gay there really. Um, and I wasn't ready for that anyway, but, um, we were there at night And his truck got stuck in the sand. And so we were, I was like, oh, shit, this is not going to be good. Like, I can't get home. I've already snuck out of the house to do this. And um, so we walked down the road to get these guys to help us to um, pull the truck out. And then I'm pushing on the the back of it to help. And my knee popped, like, I got, and I could not walk. I was just, I was hobbling around. I don't know what, like, I don't know what happened. Like, um, so I'm like, how am I going to explain this? (laughs) You know, that's going through my brain instead of like, am I okay? I'm like, how am I going to explain this? And then, um, I don't, I saw him maybe in a couple other times after that. But like, uh, I remember telling my mom just some bullshit story of like, oh, I was just out with, friends and i told her exactly who i was with like basically like some friends that she knew and then um she was like well what happened to your knee and i was like oh well, and i told her i basically did everything It just changed the the circumstances were true the people weren't true you know and so um but i had to hide it you know and that was i hated lying to my family but it just i couldn't do it and then um what else happened? The, there was there was also this other guy James that I no that was later. Sorry, um, I'm getting ahead of myself. But um, so my sister, my oldest sister, got pregnant before she was married. She just had like a she hooked up with a guy and got pregnant, and she was 27 when she got pregnant, and she um she wanted to keep it and i never met the dad like it was just he moved back to washington from what i know and then that was it um and then like she had the baby and that was kind of around that time that i hurt my knee cuz i was hanging out with that guy and she had it was just she was having like false labor and she called me during when she was, w- when I was with that guy and I freaked out cause I was like, Oh shit, I can't be with him when she's having like labor. And so it was just like, I left him, went to her and she was like, everything's fine. I'm not having the baby right now. And then she had the baby obviously a few months, a few weeks later or something. And then, um, nine, the, Let's see. The baby was 9 months old. She um, when my sister passed away, um she was she she'd had back problems and she had heart problems all since birth and she um so she had a really weak heart and she she was getting over like like a pneumonia type flu type thing that she had and um she she was living with my parents at the time, and she, my mom heard her moaning downstairs. So my mom went down to help her into bed and then gave her some toast and to eat because she hadn't eaten all day. And then um, she, my mom went back upstairs, came back downstairs because she heard my sister moaning again, and she gave her some water. And then she was helping her back into bed, and my sister threw up, and then she breathed the vo- the vomit back into her lungs. And so she ended up oh. basically suffocating. They call it aspiration. And mm-hmm. she, um, her heart just wasn't strong enough to take it. And so, um, that's how that happened. But she had the nine month old baby. I was on a date when that happened and, um, I was in the movie theater. So obviously I'm not answering the phone. And my dad called me and I remember dropped off my date and I saw that my dad called me, and I was like, that's weird. My dad never calls me. And so I, he left a message that said, hey, your sister's in the hospital. It doesn't look good. You need to call me. So I called him and he said, it's not looking good. You need to get down here. And so I ran down to the hospital um, like 30 minutes away. And then I was uh, the whole time on my way there. I was just like thinking this can't be happening. This isn't like she's going to be fine. Everything, you know, just telling myself she's going to be fine. And then um like maybe 30 minutes after I got to the hospital, she was gone. Like they just they declared oh. her dead. And oh yeah.
0: Um, I'm so sorry. Oh. Yeah.
1: Uh. But she, let's see. And then my parents adopted the kid. It's, I mean, and she's now almost 14. She'll be 14 this uh, oh. later this month. And um, it's crazy. Like, her, her daughter reminds me is is so much like her, like my sister. Like, it's crazy. Like my, they don't even know, like, she never knew my my, my sister. And so like, it's just weird how many mannerisms she has that are my sisters and how many attitude, like her attitude is all my sisters. And like, she and I click like we're, we're kind of in cahoots and kind of, it's, it's crazy. But like my oldest sister would be the first person I would have come out to if she had, um, if she hadn't passed away, like of my family, because yeah. she and I were like kind of the, uh, we just had that inc- like a uh, connection that way. Um, yeah. But I also think she was, she saw that like the Peter priesthood in me, because she saw that I was like trying hard to be a part of the church. And so she, um, I don't think she, she was always kind of a little more rebellious. She didn't really like the church and um she wasn't going to church that much. And I remember feeling so guilty that I was on a date when that happened. Not that I could, but I was like, I was, I didn't even want to be on a date. Like I wasn't even, I was just doing it to do it. And I could have been there when she, you know, passed away. And also like, I don't know. When stuff like that happens, you replay like a lot of the stuff, like the, your last conversation with your with that person. And the last thing I had told her was, um, like, she was sick, and I was like, all I said was, "How are you feeling?" And she was like, "Good," and I was like, "Okay, well, hope you hope you feel better." That's all I said, you know. And it's not like there could no. be worse things I could have said, but like, I just, I don't know. That's. You replay that over and over and it's like, man, if I'd have known, you know, um, but it's been almost 14 years and she's, it's just so weird to, it still hurts, still, still stings every time. But I mean, every time I, uh, that time comes around when she, she passed away in March. So it's like, and she had just turned 28 when it happened. So, Wow. Um,
2: I'm sorry, but th- thank you for sharing that because, I mean, I've, I've never lost a sibling and I'm very fortunate to say that, but I, I know we have listeners who have lost a sibling and so, you know, I'm, I'm sure that this is something that will touch a lot of people and will help them and I just think it's beautiful that you've you shared this with us and that you were vulnerable enough because I I can't even begin to imagine and then to be able to talk about it right in such a calm and sophisticated way in which you just told us the story it was really raw and vulnerable but it's something that I feel honored to to know and it's, yeah it's a beautiful yeah
1: well it's I mean I've had years of practice of being able to tell it so <laughs> um I have a tattoo of her now like I have a, her name oh. on my chest so I can um and I did that in memory of her and also like her name is on my chest. So like people ask me who's Brittany and I can talk about her and oh, I can, it's yeah. kind of a, it's just a way to remember her and keep her memory alive. So, mm-hmm. um, but she, let's see the, the thing, the reason why I brought that up is cause like it's integral, integral to my like coming out is like, with the grieving process and then me hiding, constantly hiding, hooking up with guys like on the side and, but like also going on these several dates with these women and just, um, sorry, my computer's being weird. Um, the, like, just like living this double life. Like I, I kind of, because of the grief and losing my sister, I decided I was like, I can't do this anymore. I have to start facing the fact that I'm, I'm gay, you know, and so um, I started exploring that more, and then um, I I met this guy, Tyler, that was, um, I think I was still kind of, like, convinced that, the, like, the church still kind of had me thinking that, like, you can still be active, and you can still, I was still going to BYU-Idaho, and I was like, yeah, you can still be active, you can still, like, do all that stuff, just be gay, you know, but you just don't, like do you just can't have sex you can't have like all this stuff and I was like you can't have a traditional marriage you know and and I was trying to like weigh that and be like do is that what I want like can I or can I just marry someone and miss some woman and just like pretend that that's what I want and be okay with that and um what it came down to is that I just like I can't do that I can't live a lie and I also don't want to do that to that woman and make her feel like she's not wanted and not cause sex may not be the most important thing in a relationship, but it's definitely important. And it's, um, it's, you need to feel wanted in your relationship and in, yeah. in that yeah. physical way. And there needs to be that chemistry too. Otherwise you're just kind of like roommates, you know? And, right. um, I, so I, my best friend in high school, um, was, also gay. Like I found out that later, but like we were friends for 13 years. Um, we'd go on double dates in high school. We went on the missions at the same time. He went to Pittsburgh. Um, we would write letters to each other on our mission. Um, we were never like into each other. It was just like, we were just really good friends. And then, um, he started dating, this girl, Marcelle, I probably shouldn't drop names on this one. But uh, anyway, she <laughs> she'll never listen. Um, but she she started dating him. They started dating. And I was like, that's interesting. And because I didn't, like, he always just came off as gay to me. So I was just like, okay. And he would always talk about how scared he was, you know, about getting more serious with her. And then um, we went to San Diego together on, a like, a road trip. And we went to – no, that's I'm getting ahead of myself. So um, he broke it off with Marcelle, but then he started dating this other girl that he met at, um, <laughs> at Desiree Book. and Because he worked at Desiree Book also, <laughs> and he's actually the one that got me the job at Desiree Book. So um, it's <laughs> – you guys are going to – this is this is going to get good. So um, he became a manager at Desert Book, right? And then he um, started dating Lacey, who is now his wife. But then he also was dating another Desert Book manager who was a guy. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, on the side. And so I was living with him at the time because he bought a house and then he um, – he had two other rooms. And so I was like paying him rent or whatever. And then um, he, what was it. his friend quote came up to visit all the way from Reno, Nevada. And I was just like, this is weird. And then um, like, who just like, okay, what are you guys going to do while you're up here? And you're he like, go hiking or whatever. And I was like, okay, who comes to Idaho to go hiking? That's weird, but whatever. And, like, And then um, he had an air mattress, but like, and suddenly the air mattress was in my my friend's room. Oh. And so um, I was like, like I woke up the next morning and the air mattress was in his room. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Cause it was in the living room when I first went to bed and then it was not. And so I was like, okay, hmm, interesting. <laughs> and then, uh, like it just started like building it, like all these things started coming together. And then I found out later they were dating and the Mike, I'll just tell this his name is Mike. Um, I keep <laughs> almost saying it. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just say it. And then, <laughs> his name is Mike. And he would like, um, he said that he, he's like, Oh, well they had some excuse about the air mattress. I can't remember what it was. It was anyway. Um, but he was John, his, boyfriend was also told me later he's like oh yeah he was telling me he wanted to run away with me and marry me but he was also telling that to his girlfriend so he was playing both sides and I was just um but then I came out to him to Mike and I said hey I'm gay and then he was like okay that's great and then um we went down to San Diego on this road trip and it was right during San Diego pride and we almost went to the parade and he was like, he was the one pushing it. He was like, you want to go to the parade? And I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. You know? And he was like in support of you. Right. And I was like, yeah. And then, um, we went to this gay bar and I, (laughs) this was, I hadn't been, I'd never drunk in my life. And I was just like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try some (laughs) alcohol. (laughs) So I was like, I'm going to order a screwdriver because that's all I know. And so I ordered the <laughs> screwdriver and the bartender looked at me like, okay, that's weird. And then, um, and looking back on it, that's like the first thing I would ever, the only thing I would drink at first because it's the only thing I knew because I hear it oh, yeah. on TV and I'm like, oh, screwdriver. Yeah, that sounds, yeah, sounds right. That
0: was me with um, <laughs> rum and Coke. That's all I oh, knew yeah. because I'd heard people ask for it. <laughs> that's the only thing I would order at a bar for years because I
1: was
0: <laughs>
2: To ask for anything. <laughs> really? Oh man, That's so funny. I was always wine. I was like, um, I'll
1: have a wine, white uh, wine, <laughs> even though it gave me mad heartburn. I was like, I'll do it. I'll just. Take oh that.
2: man, wine still gives me heartburn. Oh,
1: yeah. so bad. But uh, we were at this gay bar, and I got he just like disappeared, and I start this guy started talking to me, and I was just like. Ugh creeped out by this guy. And so I was like, I'm gonna go find my friend. So I go looking for him and he's out dancing with the, this guy. And I was like like dancing like grinding up on him. And I was like, wait, what? Wait wait, what what? What's happening right now? And I was like, Am I might I've only had have, I haven't even had one drink. Like I'm no one about that drunk. And so and I was like, I know he isn't that drunk because he hasn't even had that anything. And so um I left like I turned the corner so he couldn't see me. And then I was like I gave him a little bit of time and then I went back and no, he came up to me and it's like, he's like, are you ready to go? So we left. And then I asked about it later. I was like, so I saw you dancing. And he's like, Oh yeah, I was, I was, I had a one too many. And I was like,
2: uh-huh. "What?
0: you didn't blame it I on the uh, 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 uh,
1: uh, <laughs> Right. <laughs> I was like, And then, um, and I got more mad because I was like, dude, I told you that I'm gay. So you just need to come out, like, just do it anyway. But um, he didn't come out to me until later. Like he told me, <laughs> he had me come to his office and he was like, Hey, so I got something to tell you. And he was like, I'm going to, I'm going to marry Lacey. So he shows me the ring and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and, then, wait. and he was like, but I have more to tell you. He's like, I have the same problem as you, and I was like, <gasps> problem? And I was like, oh my, god. what problem is that? And he's like, you know, same sex attraction. And I was like, oh my Whoa.
2: god. Yeah,
1: can we talk about that for a second? Like calling it same sex attraction just, oh, it's, it's so I gross.
0: Think, yeah, and that's what the church uses.
2: <laughs> uh, I don't even think I understood that that they were supposed to be the same thing. Like, I mean, it is, but just had a weird way until. I mean, probably my twenties when I was like, "Oh, gay yeah. hey, is same sex attraction." Uh, oh, because like
0: that's uh, all I ever knew. It's diagnosed <laughs> or some shit. It's like they're just gay. Like, it's,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, just it's call rough. it what it is.
0: Exactly.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, and then the let's see. So he told me that he's like the same problem as you, and I was like, okay. And he's like, oh, I want you to be my best man, and it's like uh yeah a marriage i don't support but anyway so um i did the whole thing i was the best man flew to um what's that oakland to the oakland temple it was the last time i went through the for a ceiling that was the last time i ever went through one and then um the whole time i was sitting there thinking like this is a sham wedding like it Regardless of like what's going on, like all this weird shit that's like she's wearing an apron, he so is him, you know, like he's wearing <laughs> like that baker's hat, you know, like I just
2: very doughboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I'm like be, just just counting all that. This is still just like a bullshit wedding. Like it's just he's just doing this out of fear. Like and I, that was when I decided like this is not for me. Like I am not like I'm. I'd already made the decision, but I was like that kind of sealed the deal. And I also remember going to like a testimony meeting and this woman getting up and bearing her testimony about temple marriages and how she's so happy that her marriage is sealed forever and all this stuff. And I just remember feeling so left out of that and just being like, Mm. that's never going to happen for me. Like, even if I want to be like active in this church, like I can't like this, that will never happen for me. And I don't want that to happen for me. So like that was when I was like, I'm going to leave. And then I was still working. Yeah, yeah. I was still working at, um, Deseret book and I was like one of my coworkers, she brought me into this, um, singles ward word for a little bit. Cause I was a project of hers and <laughs> I would go to Desert book and sell Jesus stuff. And then I'd go drink <laughs> with my friends. And then, um, <laughs> I know, right? and then, uh, I met a guy named James who was super out and he and I dated for a little bit. Um, And then he was almost too out for me, like I wasn't ready for that. And so um, I also ended up dating this other BYU Idaho student that was um, his name Tyler. He's out now and he's great, but like we started doing this thing where we was trying to help each other and um, we were gonna be keep each other accountable of like whatever. We we kept each other accountable, that's for sure. Um, (laughs) But we we would like. We would hook up, and then we'd, like, both get these, like, super guilt feelings, you know, and, like, shame and, like... Um, he would be like, "Oh well, we can do it. It's fine. We're we're good." Like, but we'd hang out all the time. And I finally told him, I was like, "Dude, we're dating." Like, he's like, "What do you mean?" And I was like, <laughs> "We hang out all the time. You helped hang up my family's Christmas lights with me. Like, we're dating." And he's like, "Oh no, that's not true. We're just we're helping each other." And I was like, Mm-hmm. Well, sure. I'm gonna come out. So I'm done with this." And then. He's like, well, I'm not ready for that. And I was like, okay. And then I never talked to him again until like maybe a couple of years later, he hit me up on Facebook and anyway, but, um, he's got a partner now. He lives in Utah. He's out, which is great, but he just wasn't ready at the time. But I like, was just, I had already prayed about it and had this like kind of, I don't know. I don't even know. Looking back on it, I think at the time I was like, yeah, this is spirit telling me, but I think at the time I was just like relieved. Like I just, I was actually telling myself that I was done with it and that I'm, I'm gay, you know, and I was just accepting myself. So it was like that feeling of relief was Mm. like me thinking that it was the spirit. But, um, and then I met my friend Kira, um, who ended up, she, she, she and I left the church at the same time, but she's now back in it. But she, um, She served a mission. She ended up marrying one of her mission, uh, not companions, obviously, but one of her uh, mission friends. Um, He was an elder on her mission. And they, uh, she helped me come out, like, more and, like, accept myself, which was really good at the time. But now she's, like, Molly Mormon now. So, um, So it's kind of it's it is i kind of it's a weird feeling for me sometimes because i'm like wait so you're you're telling me you left and you don't and then you went back without even knowing like what you know like i don't know i don't even know
0: i don't i don't know how people could like leave and know all of
2: the things that you learn when you leave and then go back but yeah yeah I have a friend who did that here and it's just like really bizarre to me because it's not just that she went back to being Mormon it's like now she's one of the like such a conservative and like when I first moved to Berlin she was like the quote-unquote party girl and she was just going back to church and like she had the lifestyle that You know, I had later after leaving the church, and I always thought it was so cool and refreshing. And now it's just so bizarre because she's the exact opposite, posting like really conservative stuff, like German conservative stuff. And I'm like, who is this person? And like scriptures all the time. And I don't know. I just find it so weird to go the opposite way. Like, to me, it makes sense to leave the church. And I guess I'm biased, but like, how can you grow up, leave the church, and then go back and just go full, I don't know, full force. I don't get it. It's really weird to me. Me too. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, but just to, I guess, wrap it up, like, um, cause it's been what, two hours? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Solving to... good Yeah <laughs> want this
0: episode, Well that... hopefully
1: the listeners aren't like Okay you guys need to stop <laughs> yeah. um, But no so It's funny because she and I met at the temple We were um, <laughs> We were doing baptisms for the dead And I said some sarcastic remark And she's like sarcasm in the temple And oh. then <laughs> But she, she started looking at going into the military and then, um, like, drove me to, like, start looking for it because I was kind of at, like, a crossroads in my life. I was like, yeah, I'm gay and, like, I don't really want to be here anymore and I, I've done with school. And um, so I joined the Navy. She joined the Air Force. And then um, in the Navy, I was, like, it was my first time to be, like, finally, like – openly gay and so I went I went to Pensacola so yeah I went to Pensacola to oh, train yeah that
2: is my He's yeah. there for the Air Force but yeah oh
1: yeah there's a big Air Force yeah. st- base there um but we like I went to the gay bars there like it was amazing back backing up a little bit um my first pride was in Utah and I um lied to my parents about where I was going. I was like, I'm going to go to Utah for the weekend. They didn't know. Like I just went, and it was my first pride and I, I got to hang out with a bunch of people. Like I went by myself, met some cool Uh, people. Like I saw, I remember seeing the parade and being like, this is what it is. You know, I'm just feeling so good and like being like, this is what I can have. Like, like
2: accepting and yeah, being a hundred percent yourself and knowing that you're worthy of love. I think it's beautiful. Yeah.
1: And ever since then, like my my whole thing is just to be as authentic as possible with my life, and like no matter what happens, like even if I'm like alone forever, I'm at least I know I would like lived an authentic life, and it wasn't exactly. like yeah. clouded by the church telling me what I needed to do and that I could who I can love. And so um, in the navy, also I so I came out to my parents when I was going to deployment which was kind of <laughs> i don't know how nice that was but um i <laughs> i stopped by and i was just i it's funny because i was it came out i was planning on coming out and then i was like it didn't come out the same the way i wanted it to <laughs> Yeah. So, um, I met up with this guy and I, we had coffee and he was like, well, let's go back to your place and we can watch a movie. And I was like, oh, I know where that's going. But that was like, Oh, my parents are at work. Like they're not going to be home for a while. It'll just like, so we go home to my parents' house and, um, we obviously didn't just watch, we didn't watch a movie. Um, <laughs> we were, in the shower together and my dad comes home and um i hear him saying like come downstairs and he's like hey your sister wants to call you wants you to call you when you're done um and oh, so and i was like oh shit oh you know just like oh he knows somebody's here cuz his truck's outside i was like oh god there's no way, like, he's going to put two and two together. And then, so we leave the, sh- leave, go to my room and I'm like pacing back and forth. It's like, I don't know how, like, can you escape out the window? I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what he's going to do. So we go upstairs and my dad is just looking, he had this like look on his face. And, um, and then the guy left and then I walk back in and my dad's just throwing stuff around the kitchen. And then, um, and my dad doesn't do, like, he doesn't, he's not violent. He's not. He doesn't do dishes. So if he was throwing dishes around, <laughs> and I was like, oh god, and I could not move. Like I was just like, okay, no sudden movements. No, just, I'm just going to stand here. Like he was, he was more upset that I told my sister because I did tell her like a year prior to that, and right, right before I went to boot camp. And then um, he was more mad that I told her before I told my parents. And he's like, well, you're going to be the one to tell your mom. And so um, it was general conference weekend. So, oh, oh, no. um, <laughs> so I'm sitting there watching general, well, watching, I was coloring with my little sister. I call, so my, my oldest sister's daughter that my parents adopted, I call her my little sister. She's my Aww. niece, but she's my little sister. Yeah, yeah. But um, I was coloring with her and then yeah. I actually have a picture of the drawing that I was coloring and it was sleeping beauty. Ah, anyway. Um, but she, she turns off the first session my mom did and she was like, your dad tells me you have something to say to me. And I was like, Oh, we're doing this now. So, um, so I told her and then she started sobbing and she said, why can't you be like Mike and marry a woman? And I was just like, Oh, you really want me to live a a lie? Like my whole life? I don't, that's, and then she also said sex isn't the most important thing. Um, In a relationship, and I was like, "Yeah, but it's a thing, and it's very like I'm not gonna, I don't like I just I don't want to live a lie." And yeah, yeah. Um, she took it the hardest, I think, of all my family because, and she gave me kind of a cold shoulder for like a good two years. Like she put me through the ringer on that a little bit because, um, and then my dad was like super accepting. I was not expecting that. Like he and I never were really, really close. Like he was, um, my parents are very like very conservative. Um, they're country folk. Like they, they ride horses. My dad's a farmer. Um, and he, so
2: Sarah, <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah?
1: <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs>
1: um, but he, like, he told me that he, he was proud of me and he loved me. Like after he, after I like went downstairs after he was like throwing stuff around, he went, I went downstairs and he was, he came down and he told me that. And I was like, Oh, all right. And then, um, they actually met my ex a couple of years ago, which was huge, even though my ex turned out to be an asshole, but you know, that's besides <laughs> the point, but it was huge that like, they were willing to meet him because I gave him the option to like, if you're willing to, if you want to meet him, he'll be here. And like, they were coming through town. So, um, like they've come a long way. Um, and my extended family is pretty good about it. There's, I've heard like whispers about like stuff they say around my behind my back, but I'm it's whatever I've been to a family reunion and they didn't say anything to me. So like they, they were nice to me. They just didn't say anything about the gay. <laughs> so, um, Oh, that's yeah. so good.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm glad. Like, yeah, I feel like that would be such a struggle and, and also really scary. But, yeah, it's nice that over time, you're especially that you're, your parents have, like, come around. That's
2: yeah. Really well, also, I, I think it's really incredible that you've, you've stuck to being true to yourself. Like, exactly. I, I yeah. think that's so incredibly brave. And I, I can say that as someone who hasn't had to go through that struggle with having to feel rejected or hurt by family members because of being myself 100%, you know, like that's, yeah, leaving the Mormon church is one layer. But this is this is who you are. And to have Mm -hmm. people question that or make you feel less than I can't imagine. And I just want you to know that we all love you so much. And it's amazing to hear your story and to hear how brave you are that you never once like let up like, okay, yeah, my mom's giving me the cold shoulder. So I'm just going to tell her like, just kidding, mom, I am straight, you know, yeah. just to to feel accepted. And I think that that's really, it's incredible. It's, it's a, it's a good reminder for me at any time. If I me feel too. like <laughs> I can't be my a hundred, you know, a hundred percent myself around my family because they, are conservative or still practicing religion or Christianity or Mormonism, like it's a good reminder to just be like, you know what? It's my life and I need to live my truth. doesn't matter at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. Like that, like you were saying earlier, Jake, like, how your, your goal, or I don't remember how exactly you phrased it, but just that you want to live as authentically as you can is Mm -hmm. so in like important and inspiring. And I need to remember that because I feel like sometimes I like water myself down. And like, like Sarah said, I'm not, I haven't ever gone through like having to come out or anything. It's just leaving the church and I still water myself down to like, please others but it's to make like yourself you know, more
1: palatable to other people, yeah. Yeah, you need to
0: just but, yeah, be yourself and you're you're like the shining example of that. Um. I
1: love
2: really though.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I know. Now, now, that, now that now is following you on Instagram, <laughs> 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 I see, I see your amazing hair, and it's just like, Yes, I love it. I love it. <laughs>
1: but, um one last thing. So while I was in the Navy, um I, so after I'd come out to my parents, I got shipped off to on deployment and I went like from San Diego to the Middle East. Right. And I'm by myself, like it was terrifying, even though I'd been through some training, you know, I was pretty much in indoctrinated in the Navy culture, whatever. And so I knew like, and I was like, yeah, this is how it works, you know? And so you go out to the Middle East and you're just like, they there's a 24 hour flight and I'm just like the very blaringly, um, not Mormon, uh, very blaringly American. And so um, and then they shipped me to the, like it like flew me in a helicopter to my ship and don't know anybody. Right. And so I'm like, I'd already like glimpsed like the openly gay life and I loved it in the Pensacola. And then um, I was like, kind of back in the closet again because I was just like, I don't know how the, how they're going to accept it. And like, I kept hearing all these like gay jokes around me, like, and you know, trying to fill out the climate of the, what was going on around me. And then um, I was like, I don't really feel comfortable. Like, I don't know who to talk to. Like my, my division is really good. Um, But like, I don't know about everybody else. And so um, I wrote a letter to the captain and I said, (laughs) hey so what if we did like a like a group where of like-minded people where I can feel where we can feel safe about um, talking you know as a gay group like a gay straight alliance basically and she's like so and I at the time I was doing what they call oh my god why can't I think of what it's called uh, it's like a rite of passage where you you have to work with like the food service Um for a little while and you kind of do like the grunt work for a while. But I got assigned to work with the ward room, which is where all the officers are, where the captain is. So I was, I would help prepare their food and I would, um, I got to know the officers really well, which is kind of rare for most enlisted um, on a smaller ship. You're, which is what I was on. Um, it's a little more accessible to have more time with the officers but um the captain you be- rarely get to see unless you like work with her um uh, it was a f- female captain which she's amazing um very it's very rare to have a female captain too um but she she came up to me while I was washing dishes and she's like hey I got your letter um, which was <laughs> I was like stunned. Like she's like, I got your <laughs> letter and I'm working on it. So oh, wow. she came back to me and she said, I found a ship that has, um, gay straight Alliance. That's already set up, already cha- chartered, already has all the bylaws all set up, everything. You just have to make it so it'll work for our ship. And I was like, okay. So she let me do all the legwork. Um, Jen, um, they live just like an hour away from me now. Um, and they're, two of my favorite people, but, um, I started emailing and I said, Hey, I want to set up this thing on the ship. I don't know how to do it. And so she sent me all the information. We were talking all through my deployment. I met her when I got back to San Diego, home port, San Diego, and, um, we were instantly good friends and she helped me set it up and it took a year from me writing to the captain to it actually being officially chartered on my ship. But, it, um, we got a gay straight alliance started on my ship and it was the, uh, we had the first afloat, uh, Navy pride on a ship. Ah, um, wow, that's annoying. yeah. So, um, yeah, it was really cool. And I made a lifelong friend out of it. Like Anne and I are like, she's my best friend. Um, but the and I went to their wedding. I was one of her what they call them. She was I was one of Anne's men. Is that what they called her? Anne's she had Anne's men and Jen's maids or something, I think. Anyway. the <laughs> uh, uh, um it didn't matter what your what your gender was on that either. Like she I think I was I could have been I think I even told my to, told her I wanted to be an Anne's maid. I don't know. And then um <laughs> uh but the the uh, gay straight alliance is called glass uh gay lesbian and supporting sailors but it's expanded into like it's global like there's one in bahrain there's one in uh africa i want to say there's like sev- several throughout the countries throughout america like throughout the military and it's expanded into different branches it started in the navy but it's expanded into all four branches i tried to start it at my last command it's just like a has all four branches, all five branches represented, but I couldn't get the support that I needed. So, but it's cool to like, see that cause I started the military right after don't ask, don't tell was a thing. Oh, okay. And I remember watching a documentary about don't, don't ask, don't tell right before I was about to leave. And I was like, Oh shit, this is real. And when I was in boot camp, it was still, you still, it was like, just after don't ask don't tell had been like repealed completely and you could openly talk about being gay and so it was like i don't want to and that was i think that was why my i didn't want to go into the military at the beginning because i was like there was a hesitancy because i was like i can't be myself there because like i'm not i'm going to go from one institution that won't let me be myself to another, that doesn't seem right, you know, so right, I, exactly. but once Don't Ask, Don't Tell got repealed, it was like, oh, okay, I can, I can actually be myself, and it's okay, so I don't know, I owe a lot to, like, my coming out journey, and to that, like, that experience, and to, like, um, the people that I met during that was, uh, um, I met one of, her name's Kristen Beck, she's a transgender, um, Navy SEAL. Um, wow. Yeah. We did like a wall of honor thing for her. Um, you'll have to look her up, Google her, but she's written a book. She's really cool. Um, she's kind of, she doesn't want to be in the spotlight. She just wants to live her life kind of thing. She has an opportunity to have like that platform, but she's chooses to just kind of keep, keep quiet and do her, live her own own yeah. self. But she joined the Navy SEALs to compensate for her for being gay. So she wanted to do something hyper masculine to like <laughs> hide being a female. Like in her in her heart she was a female. Yeah. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. oh anyway. that's interesting though, that you you started that and how much it's grown. And uh, yeah. I think sure that's just benefiting so many people. That's wonderful. Uh oh my god, I just Sarah and I are so thankful that you came on and shared yeah. your story with us. Yeah. That we finally oh,
1: man. talked
0: to you. Ah.
1: So much. This has been awesome. <laughs> thanks great. for having me.
0: We've yeah, had every minute.
1: That.
0: We enjoyed all
1: <laughs> oh, two <minute>. hours.
2: <laughs> it's
1: a. This is a grand episode. You can. Yeah, maybe like, split <laughs> it
2: into two parts. That'll be fine. That'll work. Just, like okay. one edge. You know. Yeah. I hope like, you, know, you got us gotta tune in next week for the second <laughs> part of Jake's story which
1: is that's
0: the, right um, uh, it, um, like it's crazy because I feel like it was you know long but I feel like we still just scratched the surface and there's so much that
1: yeah and I, I wanted to talk a little bit more about like shame like how it's like there's shame within the Mormon community as far as like how you act but there's also shame in like the gay culture and so it's like that's something out That's a huge other thing but like there's this book um called the velvet rage the um called the velvet rage overcoming the pain of growing up gay in a straight man's world it's an amazing book i read it in like one sitting oh. but there's a um, real quick there's this quote that i wanted to read if that's okay, okay. it's really short um and it kind of just goes along with like living a double life of like being a mormon and being gay and also, just like even just being gay, completely, like even if you don't have that extra layer of being Mormon or in a church religious situation as a gay gay man. Um, so the damaging part of learning to live your life in two parts, whether in reality or fantasy, cannot be underestimated. It is an infectious skill that you learned, one that would eventually spread beyond the bedroom of your life. Life wasn't ever what it seemed on the surface. Nothing could be trusted for what it appeared to be. After all, you weren't what you appeared, you weren't what you appeared to be. In learning to hide part of yourself, you lost the ability to trust anything or anyone fully. Without knowing it, you traded a humane innocence for dry cynicism.
0: Mm. Uh.
1: So I just, um, if you want to read that book, I highly recommend it and, if there's any listeners that are dealing with like uh, homosexuality, I'm not going to say gays that was same-sex yeah. well, um, same sex attraction. If you're dealing with like being in the closet and just feeling like this duality in your life, then just um, just know that there's people out here that are supportive and that are willing to, it may be scary to come out, but it's worth it. Yeah. Um, completely worth it i've never met a single person that has been has regretted coming out and living their authentic life so that's all i wanted to say <laughs>
0: yay applause. Thank, applause
2: thank you thank you jake that's incredible and i i mean let us know if you're okay but i'm sure you know if if people want to reach out to you maybe we can let them know or whatever, however you feel comfortable. But I think that's amazing that the advice that you've given on this episode and just telling your experience and being vulnerable, that's going to help so many people. And even though it's not something I've ever experienced firsthand, just hearing your story is, it's incredible for me personally, um, and has helped it's, you know, certain elements has definitely resonated with me. And it's something that I feel like a better human being for knowing you and for having this episode.
1: Thank you you so much. (laughs) That means a lot. I got chills. You saying (laughs) that. (laughs) That's what I try to do is try to help people. So I actually just got told by some random person, like your voice is what attracted me to your Instagram. So I was like, Oh, all right. I didn't know I was even like doing that, but that's, it's good. (laughs) That's
2: amazing. Yeah. Uh. Keep up but the good they birthday. can actually
1: they can absolutely reach out to me. I don't know how you want to do like
0: I'll um, leave your like details and how to get a hold of you in like the show notes. Okay. Um, and people can reach out to you that way. And also He's, yeah, he's always on our Instagram, defending That's the fuck out of us.
1: So. <laughs> Slaying <laughs> those trolls. <player>. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, listeners. Well, we're going to wrap it up, Um, but we'll be back next week with more for you.
2: We will.
0: Thanks so much, guys. Bye.
1: Thank Bye. you.
2: Bye.